you know, you'd be out with friends and they would say, oh, I'd offer you some cake, but you can't eat that or you're not allowed to eat that. And that would really, really grind me and bother me. And in today's times, it is very black and white in regards to nutrition. And so while I personally don't feel the need to label my diet whatsoever, I acknowledge that my whole brand is situated on plant-based nutrition. And so it's important to me personally and as a brand that I'm as inclusive as possible. Welcome to Everything In Between, the health and wellness podcast that believes that health is so much more than just what we eat and how we move our bodies. It's everything in between. I'm Rika Robello, a clinical nutritionist, the face behind Radical, and your host. I wanted to start this episode off with thanking you from the bottom of my heart for the overwhelming support and love that you showed from episode one. Last week was genuinely, it was pure elation. I, I'm truly overwhelmed with the amount of kind and supportive words and I'm just so sincerely so grateful to have you on this journey with me. So all I can really say is thank you and I'm so excited to be on this journey together. Okay, now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's get on to the juicy topic of today of why I no longer call myself vegan. Now, before I go on, I need to preface a few things. First of all, if you hear snoring, that is my dogs. They refuse to leave the room. So if you can hear a slight snore, just know that that is Charlie under my feet. Um, But in all seriousness, we need to preface a few a few things. Firstly, we need to understand that veganism is an ethical movement, okay? It is not solely a way of defining our diet, but it too defines one's lifestyle and I would say that it's reflected in almost every decision that you make. The second thing that I want you to understand is that please by no means think that in this episode I'm throwing shade at the vegan label specifically because it was not the vegan label that I felt restricted by. It was actually the label itself and the way other people made me feel about the label. And lastly, for reasons that I'm obviously going to explain in this episode, despite eating a fully vegan diet, I do prefer If I have to label my diet, I do prefer to label it as plant-based because I do feel it's less restrictive and it has less stigma attached to it. And I know that I've literally just swapped one label for another and I know that may sound counteractive and pointless and silly, but you'll soon hear why I feel the way I do. And before I go on, I want to give you a little bit of context so that you can understand how I got to the point or the mindset that I'm at today. Because trust me, if 20-year-old me heard me speaking right now, they would not only be shocked, but they would probably be incredibly confused. Now, again, to preface, I actually eat zero animal products and byproducts. And at the moment, I also abstain from animal byproducts in my lifestyle. However, back when I was 20, I truly thought that if you were passionate about A, your health, or B, the environmental sustainability aspect, or C, even animal welfare, that you had to be vegan. There was camp A and B, you were vegan or carnivore. It was a very black and white narrative, 
and you were either for or against it. And I, I think that rhetoric still runs pretty deep today. But as you're more than aware by now, health is about embracing everything in between, challenging your thoughts and your beliefs, and more importantly, the nuances. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's backtrack and give you a little bit of context. So I went vegan a month or two, or maybe three or four months after turning 18. I was a few months fresh from graduating high school, and I had decided that a change was necessary. My family, uh, they laugh in hindsight because they can see how I was naturally very much so vegetarian from a young age. And this is likely because I was very, very fussy growing up in regards to food. I have vivid memories of sitting at the dinner table and gagging at the fish on my plate because I hated seafood. Meat could easily give me the ick. It needed to be drenched in sauce, whether that was tomato or lemon juice, anything really that would mask the taste and smell. I would also naturally always gravitate at restaurants and on family holidays to the vegetarian options. So you can see how and why my family weren't that surprised when I said I didn't really want to eat meat anymore. But there lies the duality, right? Because despite the fact that I grew up and came from a relatively healthy background and we had a focus, you know, on home cooked food and wholesome ingredients and that sort of thing, by definition, I ate a standard Western diet. And don't get me wrong, I loved a meat burger and chips. I absolutely adored a Nando's feed. I loved sausage rolls at school canteen. And I even had friends who were vegetarian during school. And I had openly said that I didn't relate, didn't know how they did it. I just didn't get it. So despite showing signs from a young age that I gravitated to a more vegetarian or plant-based diet, it by no means was easy in regards to the transition. And socially and culturally, you also have to acknowledge that it was a huge thing for me at the time, right? Because yes, in hindsight, my family could see the leniency for a plant-based diet, but in the same breath, being South African and Portuguese, this just did not fit the mold. It sounds silly to say now after all these years, particularly because they are so supportive of me now, but back then it really was a big thing and it was a big deal. I had joked about becoming vegetarian a few times, to which my mom had always said, not until you're 18 sort of thing. Um, I think my family more so just couldn't understand why you would want to do that. Like, why, why would you want to admit these products from your diet? For my mom, I think it was a concern for my health. There was such a huge misconception back then and arguably even now that it's not a healthy diet. She was genuinely concerned. And to be honest, looking back as a mom, I think I would have been too. Because having the clinical knowledge that I have now, I know that if you don't have an appropriately planned vegan or plant-based diet, you are in trouble. But in saying that, I'd argue that about any diet, any diet And every diet needs to be appropriately planned, not just a vegan diet. There are both pros and cons, nutritionally speaking, for any diet. But nonetheless, I digress. In regards to my friends, I think I was definitely made fun of. Not in a mean or a bitchy way, but more so in a gossipy way. 
the, you know, she's going through a phase sort of thing. And like I mentioned in the previous episode, I don't necessarily blame them for having that train of thought because, you know, at that age, everyone's, everyone's trying new things and trying to find their way. So I don't hold a grudge about that. And like I said, it was never in a bitchy way. Um, But I do remember having this overwhelming feeling that no one really understood why I was doing this. And like I touched on in last week's episode, health was definitely a factor that of course played into this. I was deeply struggling with severe chronic fatigue, acne, gut issues. I mentally wasn't in the best place and so on. But I too cannot not touch on the fact that growing up, I just was always incredibly uncomfortable with the animal ethics side of things of eating meat. I actually have a funny story on this. So in pre-primary, so you would have been what, four or five at that age. And um, we went on an excursion, which is a day trip, field trip sort of thing out of the classroom, right? And for some reason, and I still to this day do not understand why a four-year-old would be taken here, but oh my goodness, they, they took us to the butchers. I think we were learning about different occupations and different jobs that we could do when we grow up and no joke the same butchery is still there if you're in Perth it's in the Karen Up shopping center anyway they took us there in pre-primary and I remember learning how minced meat was made and I'll spare you the horrific details because I was mortified I even remember the smell in there and I know it sounds dramatic but I was genuinely scarred from that day and I think That was the day that turned me into never really wanting meat. I also remember another time, I think my dad had done the grocery shopping, right? And he had arranged to leave the groceries in the back freezer room of the supermarket while we had another appointment in the same center, right? Something like that. Anyway, we went to retrieve the bags of groceries in the back freezer room. And I'm, I'm not exaggerating, there were there were animals hanging in the room and I actually still feel really sick thinking back on that because I was genuinely traumatized seeing where my food came from. And if you remember the movie Chicken Run, hang on, let me actually Google the synopsis so I can give you a succinct recall. Okay. Uh, So it Quote, telling the story of a band of chickens doomed to a life of egg laying on a Yorkshire chicken farm. When a flamboyant American rooster arrives on the scene, the hens hope he can teach them to fly to freedom. However, when a chicken pie machine is installed, their need becomes urgent and they must devise other means of escape. Now, what eight-year-old watches this movie and hyper-analyzes it and is concerned for the chicken's welfare because they're trapped and they're going to be made into a chicken pie. What was meant to be a friendly kids movie was a genuine horror film for me. I was, I was truly distraught. Anyway, you can understand how after having these experiences at a incredibly young age that I was just not comfortable with the idea of eating living animals slash things and still I really am not comfortable with it at all and it's funny because 
cognitive dissonance is a powerful thing because I knew all of this from a young age and perhaps that's why I would have wanted all my meat disguised in sauces and smells and that sort of thing but in the same breath at 18 I did find it difficult to give up those favorite meals whether it was a bolognese or a burger etc it just really shows how powerful the mind and cognitive dissonance really is anyway so at 18 I was like okay I can make my own decisions now and I decided to go vegetarian and like I mentioned in last week's episode at that time I was deeply struggling with chronic fatigue and that was coupled with the fact that I was just utterly burnt out and I hated my first university of choice and as a result I decided to take that first semester off uni and laying in bed day after day I decided that I wanted to spend a few weeks in Fiji from the money that I was earning on the weekends and I think that Fiji was really the catalyst I'd say from dabbling with vegetarianism to going fully vegan overnight and mind you I was hardly eating a healthy quote vegan diet in Fiji simply due to the lack of variety and access to food but naturally with my background of being a fussy meat eater I was far happier to eat a packet of chips than to eat the meat so really it was only when I came home that I started experimenting with how you could eat a healthy whole food vegan slash plant-based diet and through a whole lot of trial and error eight years later here we are but you've got to remember right that at the time veganism wasn't too popular it of course had a name for itself but it really was only just starting to get attraction and that's likely because of the rise of social media however vegan was not just vegan at the time there were a ton of different vegan variations and different vegan labels right so you could eat a low carb high fat vegan diet a high fat low carb vegan diet there was a different diet called raw till four which is basically where you only ate raw fruits and vegetables until 4 p.m yep it's literally in the name uh what else you had the raw vegan diet which was basically just raw fruits and uncooked vegetables i think i did that for a day Um, And then you also had a low carb vegan diet, a mono vegan diet, and that was where you only ate one type of fruit or vegetable at each meal. So for example, breakfast would just be bananas, lunch would just be mangoes. So anyway, that is just at the top of my head of what was circulating at the time. So you can imagine how A, this was just incredibly confusing and B, genuinely unhealthy, nutritionally speaking, and C, how these labels were dividing people within the vegan community itself. I honestly think I tried all of these different variations and it was never for long because food was and always been the life in our family it's always been something that's really celebrated and centralized in our home so anytime one of these variants of a vegan diet felt restrictive or just not it it really wasn't longer than a few days um, that I think I would deviate and It was really just out of mere desperation for my health that I was willing to try anything, but also just a lack of education. I had no idea where to get my information from, who was credible or not. So 
I think naivety also played a huge role in that. In today's times, you'll always see dietitians and other clinical nutritionists urging you to check the credentials of where you're getting your information from. Are they university qualified, for example? Are they registered with a governing body? Are they sharing evidence-based information? That sort of thing. This did not exist in 2016. In 2016, it was the era of what I eat in a day on YouTube and genuinely taking vegan influencers channels as Bible for what you should and shouldn't eat on a plant-based diet. You know, I've, I've thought to myself that I was quite silly and incredibly naive back then. And as angry as it does make me to look back on, I am now in a place where I just have compassion for myself and kindness because I remember my intentions back then and they were only good intentions. And I was simply just lost and confused and I didn't know any better. And I can't blame myself for that, you know. Really, that's what motivated me to later study nutrition at uni because I didn't want any other person to have to go through that experience like I did. It was incredibly isolating and it was confusing. It was overwhelming. And honestly, eight years later, that's why I always say that I wish the Radical online platform existed when I first went plant-based. But anyway, I digress. So I finally found my flow of what it meant to eat a wholesomely balanced and nutrient-dense, optimized vegan diet. And I'd say that really only came in my second, if not my third year of studying nutrition at uni. And in regards to the label of veganism or being vegan, I never felt particularly passionate about calling myself vegan, if I'm being honest, but in the same breath, It was and it is to this day convenient to use, particularly because I do, in fact, want to abstain from animal products and byproducts in my diet and my lifestyle. I guess where I started to feel it to be restrictive was really a result of other people. You know, you'd be out with friends and they would say, oh, I'd offer you some cake, but you can't eat that or you're not allowed to eat that. And that would really, really grind me and bother me if I'm being honest, because for example, right, I don't drink alcohol, not because I have a rule around it. I really, really don't believe in rules, but because I honor what I feel is best for me and what I do and don't like. And with alcohol, for example, I really don't like how it makes me feel and I don't like the taste But that doesn't mean that I do not drink alcohol and that I have a rule about it and that I'm X days sober or alcohol free. Sometimes, not often, but sometimes someone will offer me a drink and I will in fact drink it because I, A, I feel like it or B, I actually like the taste of, let's say, that particular drink. And it was the same for me with veganism, right? I I didn't abstain from eating animals or abstaining from buying animal byproducts, not because of a rule, not because I couldn't, not because I wasn't allowed to, but because I did not want to. And it was as simple as that. And it was as if people just could not understand that. And I truly, truly hated the reductionist box that I felt trapped in from other people. The, you know, you can't do that. You can't eat that. You can't buy that. And don't get me wrong, I still do not want to eat those foods or I still do not want to buy those animal byproducts. But the difference in the label of vegan versus plant-based is huge in my opinion. And it is silly. I'm not going to say it's not. It is silly. 
but it, it, it exists and there is a profound amount of less pressure attached to being plant-based versus vegan. And don't get me wrong, I probably would have kept calling myself vegan if it weren't for the profound amount of comments and judgment. But for me, it just felt way too restrictive to box myself in like that. And another aspect that I've been thinking a lot about lately too is that I think the term vegan in general can feel very overwhelming for a lot of people, particularly if they are interested in plant-based eating and nutrition and that sort of thing. And of course, as someone like myself, who is incredibly passionate about the environmental sustainability and animal ethics side of things, but too, of course, incredibly passionate about the nutrition side of things, I want this lifestyle and this diet to be as inclusive and accepting as possible. And in today's times, it is very black and white in regards to nutrition. And yes, while I personally don't feel the need to label myself whatsoever, my whole brand is situated on this in terms of plant-based nutrition. And so it's important to me that both myself and my brand are inclusive. So if you are someone who is vegetarian or you're vegan or you're pescatarian or even you're just flexitarian, meaning you eat a little bit of both, I want you to know that it's okay. It's okay if you're not 100% vegan. And of course, animal welfare and environmental sustainability wise, in an ideal world, you'd want everyone to commit as much as possible to a vegan lifestyle. That goes without saying. However, I now acknowledge eight years later that that is not possible for every single person. And that in fact is actually okay. There was a time where I could not relate or understand that at all. But now I have a lot more compassion and understanding about the nuance of what we eat, right? What we eat is cultural, it's social, it's potentially religious, it's highly dependent on privilege, food security, education, physical proximity, the list genuinely could go on. So to have this reductionist ticking of a box, are you vegan, are you not? It just didn't feel inclusive to me whatsoever. And I want my message, my brand, Radical, and myself personally to be as inclusive with absolute zero judgment as much as possible for as many people who would like to eat more plant-based to connect and to have a place to belong. I also believe that we're fluid beings, fluid meaning that we change and change is good. So yes, I'm almost certain that my values regarding animal welfare and environmental sustainability will never change. I need to be okay with the fact that we grow, we learn, and we potentially change. And that right now, right, I'm 100% plant exclusive, meaning I consume zero animal products in my diet. But I also have to acknowledge that Perhaps in the future, that won't serve me best. And perhaps evidence will come out that, for example, I might need to take a medication one day that has animal derivatives, or perhaps I will have to add fatty fish once a week if it's clinically required and shown to improve X health condition. You see what I'm trying to get at here giving myself that mental grace that it is okay. It is okay that you're trying your best. And I think that has really helped me, if I'm being honest. 
I'm also going to remind you of what I always tell my members in the Radical membership, and that is that animal welfare and environmental sustainability aside, when we're talking about our diet, I believe that the term plant-based is more inclusive, it's flexible, it's fluid, and there is currently no single optimal diet for our health. Instead, the evidence suggests specific characteristics that can be achieved through various dietary framework. The commonality in it, though, is that majority of your calories or the majority of your diet is from plants. So you pick your variation. There's no judgment here. While I may be 100% plant exclusive right now, perhaps in 50 years, I'll be plant predominant with small inclusions of X, Y, or Z because that may be better for me at that time, physically and mentally, and I need to make peace with that. Now, like I said at the beginning of this episode, this is not me by any means throwing shade to the vegan label specifically or telling you to not call yourself vegan. If anything, I think we need people upholding a vegan label because it speaks to the louder social and political issue that it stands for. But for me personally, it didn't fit 100%. Another aspect that I like to think about is that there are chapters in life for everything, whether that is friendships that serve a particular season, memories that timestamp a particular time. I too think that the chapter of calling myself vegan was a really powerful and monumental time in my life in regards to me stepping into my power and standing up for what I believe in. It was a chapter that was incredibly necessary. It helped me become who I am today. It shaped my values, my thoughts, my beliefs. It shaped me into becoming the healthiest, both physically and mentally version of myself. It helped me find my passion, which led to what I studied, to then what I pursued as my career, to lifelong friends, the list goes on. So there we have it. That's why I no longer call myself vegan. If you resonated with this episode, drop me a DM on social media and let me know what you thought. Or even better, if you found it of value, please, please, please just send this to a friend who you think would enjoy it. I would be incredibly grateful. For content on every other day of the week, you can find me on both TikTok and Instagram at Radical. But for now, don't forget to embrace everything in between and I'll be back in your ears next Monday.